0: political pipeline. A very special episode this week. I'm joined by Mike Mason, investigative reporter here.
1: Good. I am hey, there. Mike. Yeah,
0: hello You're there. Here. We just got back from uh, a visit to Houston, Texas, and also a series of interviews here for a five-part homeless special that we will be airing. What is that special called? Seeking shelter, seeking solutions. And it starts to air on Monday. August 28th, and it airs every day that week in our 6 o'clock show. Mm -hmm. And these are kind of long stories looking at what has worked and what hasn't worked in Anchorage and around the country, particularly Houston, Texas, and we'll get into that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But before we get into what we learned on our trip, we must talk about what just happened Tuesday night at the Anchorage Assembly where the Assembly voted down finally and completely the mayor's proposed navigation center so mike what is your understanding of what the mayor had intended to do with the navigation center
1: well the mayor intended to have the navigation center as a solution to the homeless problem in anchorage so his dreams just went up in smoke he really didn't have any other alternative plans so it's really concerning um, I would think, to the public, because there are no other alternatives as far as the mayor, the mayor is concerned.
0: Now, they have, uh, again, this is sort of, these things are, all these issues are interrelated. They also recently said the Sullivan Arena was not going to be available as a winter shelter, and they've talked about setting up some smaller shelters around the city, but that the specifics of that are still unclear but let's get back to the navigation center because that was something we did a long interview with the mayor he agreed to sit down mm-hmm. and he explained to us why he thought a navigation center was so valuable mm-hmm. and do you remember what were his some of his reasoning? What was some of his reasoning over why he thought the navigation center was so key?
1: Well, he wanted to group everybody together and get them off the streets. He said if they're off the streets and they're not visible, then taxpayers will think that the homeless situation has been solved. He he admitted that the problem was not solvable, but he found that the uh, the navigation center was a solution and it would work, even though we never really saw a proposed budget on the operating cost and um, the long-term plan of the wraparound services that would have to encompass uh, such a big project.
0: And when they went to a working session last Friday and then again um, Tuesday night at the full assembly meeting, they did bring some funding sources. They, They brought uh, uh, some budget numbers, and they brought some temporary funding sources, but there was no
1: source of money to operate this in the long term. No, and, and startup cost, and this thing is going to cost up to thirty million dollars, and cost six to eight million dollars a year to operate. So, as far as long-term solutions, it's you know there's there's no plan that makes it manageable at this point. And it's now, I think dead and gone forever
0: maybe nothing is gone forever but it doesn't seem as if this current assembly would consider Mm. reviving the navigation center plan. it's
1: dead for now at least
0: (laughs) it is definitely dead for now maybe nothing in politics is dead dead but this (laughs) is seems as dead as a proposal can be and now we'll wait to see what kind of specifics they come up with both the administration and the Assembly because neither have revealed the details of what will happen this winter except that the Sullivan Arena will not be available as a winter shelter.
1: And Assembly Member Meg Zolotel, who is the Executive Director of the uh, Anchorage Coalition to End Homelessness admits that there is no plan in place and she is afraid that uh, there won't be because we're coming upon winter quickly. And you know, we've had these proposals of, of uh, warming uh, areas and and like volunteers stepping in to let people warm up or something. That's not going to like solve the situation here. We need to have a low barrier shelter where people can come in by the hundreds and and be housed properly. Because you know, just this year alone, we had a record number of people dying outdoors.
0: Right now that gets us to why we went to Houston. Uh, we spent almost a week in Houston and we went there because Houston is seen as a model for how it is dealt with the homeless situation. And Mike, what would you say was your number one takeaway from spending time in Houston?
1: Well, Houston's a huge city, has a massive population. My main takeaway was just driving through the streets and we drove through many areas of Houston, and we looked for encampments. We wanted to see the homeless out there. We found a couple of encampments that were considered their large encampments. But I'll tell you, given their population, those those encampments weren't any larger than what you would find in Anchorage here. So for a major city, city they, they had very few homeless people on the streets.
0: Yeah, you would see the most common thing would be maybe one or two people on an underpass. Mm -hmm. There was one very large encampment not far from the baseball stadium that they have not decommissioned yet. But Houston has done something that other communities would like to emulate, Uh and it's very difficult, and we see it here in Anchorage all the time, and that is to get people on the same page. So what is that page in Houston that they have gotten people
1: onto. Well, they've gotten people into permanent housing and they have a a detailed uh, plan of how they do that. They have an initiative where um, they have one agency that's empowered to oversee over 100 plus um, different agencies and nonprofits, which all work together under this one umbrella, which they call The Way Home. Uh, they have a, a data collecting system called uh, the coordinated access system that tracks each individual on the streets and every one of those 100 agencies shares that data and and gets a person from the streets into permanent housing and one person can be touched by 15 different agencies you know, between the time that they're on the streets and into permanent housing. And the philosophy that Houston uses is housing first. They don't say, hey, we have to stabilize this person unless there's a very severe case. They say, we have to first house this person, and then we'll use these wraparound services, behavioral health or whatever they need. And in the shelter that they're in, will provide those services and they have found that ninety percent of those people remain in permanent housing for a long period of time.
0: Two years is their marker for success. Yep. We interviewed the mayor of Houston and he he told us that, you know, one of the successes, one of the reasons for success in Houston, is that they've got everyone buying in to the same mm. single goal and working towards that goal. And he concedes it's not perfect, it's not easy, but listen to the mayor of Houston talk about how their system works and why it works.
1: So it's a very collaborative approach between the public sector, the private sector, nonprofits, all working together, moving in the same direction. The focus is on housing, but it's not waiting until you address all of the underlying issues that people may be experiencing, mental and behavioral health issues, substance abuse. Um, we kind of do it all at one.
0: As I mentioned earlier, we also talked to Mayor Bronson, who has a very different view of the role of government. In Houston, they focus on permanent housing, and the mayor of Anchorage told us what? Well,
1: he said that it's not the taxpayer's responsibility to, you know, put people in permanent housing. He says that's the nonprofit's job. And so, you know, when we when we uh, confronted uh, the Mayor Turner in Houston about that, and he talked about politics getting in the way, you know, he kind of referred to, you know, the mayor here can basically say that the taxpayers shouldn't be burdened with this. And there's going to be a lot of people in the community who say, yeah, that's right. I shouldn't have to pay for that. What Mayor Turner says is that they have spent years of working with the community to teach them how, if we don't work together, we're not going to solve this problem, we're going to continue to see this homelessness, it's going to affect your community, and we're not going to reach an end goal here. So we have to work together.
0: So let's hear a little bit from Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson on why he has a different view of the role of government in terms of solving homelessness.
1: I think the taxpayers should only be involved in the sheltering process because it's a public safety issue. You know, if you freeze to death on the street, that's a public safety issue. A shelter keeps them from doing it. Now, all the hotel conversions and in the housing, the proper, uh, uh, the nonprofits are taking care of that, and they should. Mm. That—that's. I, I don't want to be part of that. And I don't think the taxpayer should be a part of that. But that first place where a police or fireman or community service patrol brings someone, I I think the government should have, at least in the beginning, control of that facility Mm because it's public safety.
0: Now, we also spoke to Meg Zolotel, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, the uh, executive executive director of of the Anchorage Anchorage Coalition Coalition and Homelessness. And And she told us, she conceded that the Houston model, Mm -hmm. while an excellent model, we are falling short of that Mm -hmm. because... She doesn't have – her agency doesn't have the authority that the similar agency in Houston has to make financing decisions, to make policy decisions. And while she would like to have that authority, she doesn't yet. But she did point out one area of success uh, in this community, and it is something that the mayor says he supports, even if he doesn't want to spend city money on it. And that is the effort to turn motels into small apartments. Conversions, right. Conversions. And you spoke to one person who is benefiting from that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, we, we talked to uh, Rocky. Rocky yeah. is moving into the Golden Lion, which is a one-room unit with, you know, like two beds. It's a, it's a you know, it was a former hotel, um, but it doesn't have a full kitchen or or, you know, anything other than really a, a bedroom. He says to him, this is not permanent housing and this is not what he said God wants for him, but he's very appreciative of, of, you know, having the shelter, but that's not what he considers long-term housing.
0: He considers it a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. but not a permanent solution. Not a
1: permanent solution.
0: And Meg Zolotel explains that in Anchorage, it's what we can do In a quick amount of time, Mm -hmm. these places can be turned over, they can be identified, Mm -hmm. turned into better living places, and that that is uh, a significant success in Anchorage.
1: But what Houston does differently also is they actively recruit landlords out there to help work with their coalition to place formerly homeless people into regular apartment buildings.
0: Yes, we saw... Several of these, and uh, it's true that Houston has an advantage because it has more housing stock in that sort of lower income apartment world that Anchorage just doesn't have. And again, that's why um, people at the coalition here cite those hotel conversions as a success story.
1: Um, we are open
0: to all housing types, um, but if we could find more hotels to convert, what we have found is we can turn them on rather quickly. So the first hotel conversion, um, that real estate transaction um, had closed in the fall of last year and it was almost immediately full um, and that was the guest house downtown um the lake house has already got tenants moving in and this is all less than 18 months from first from when we first conceptualized converting hotels so it is a rapid response if we can keep everyone pulling in the same direction
1: and another thing that we found in houston you know this this process that they have worked through and 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 the the success that they have obtained uh, is real because You know, city leaders from around the country go there every year to learn what their model is because they do recognize it as probably the best in the country. But Houston has been working on this since 2011. In 2011, Houston had the nation's sixth largest homeless population with 8,500 homeless people. That's people on the streets. People on the streets. Since they implemented this program, which they call The the Way Home, they've been able to reduce their homelessness by 70%. It's an incredible thing. As you
0: said earlier, when you drive around Houston, you don't see the kinds of encampments that you see here or in Los Angeles or in Seattle or Portland or New York. You just don't see it at that level.
1: And they'll admit that the people that are in the encampments are usually the ones who choose to be in the encampments.
0: And again, Houston officials are very careful not to say they've solved the homeless problem. What they claim and what the numbers would indicate is that they have put into permanent housing, depending upon exactly when you're measuring from, but 60 to 70 percent of the people who were once on the streets. And that is impressive enough that people from all over the country, including uh, a couple of uh, Anchorage Assembly members, Mm -hmm. have gone there and are going there again to see how that model works. But I'm going to tell you, I know you agree with this, the miracle of Houston, if there's a miracle, is how they get people in all these different government agencies. It's the City of Houston, Mm -hmm. three counties, to work with their coalition and with more than a hundred social service agencies and charities, how they got them and keep them on the same
1: track. Their coalition for the homeless is the one agency that is the hub which distributes all of the money related to homelessness that comes in federal and state and all of the agencies, including city Uh, 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 programs and departments all entrust the Coalition for the Homeless to do their job, and they're doing it well. So, you know, it's working for them. So you will see that, you will
0: see things from Reno, Nevada, from Portland, Oregon, from Augusta, Georgia, and a lot of what happens here in Anchorage, what works, what hasn't worked. The series begins Monday, August 28th. It runs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 6 p.m. We then will have a special on Labor Day at 6.30, which is a compilation of those five pieces. And then there'll be another documentary later in September at a date and time to be announced, uh, which will use even more material that we got that wasn't in the... First special or the first five pieces,
1: and we'll be we'll be um, glad to post the the entire interviews with the mayor or anybody you know any key figures in our stories on our internet you know on our website.
0: Right, we it's important to us that we share as much of this material as we can and and as is interesting because the more you hear people talk about how they deal with the system without an editorial filter,
1: the more you'll understand. We truly feel that this series of reports is solutions-based and is going to present a possible solution to the Anchorage homeless problem. That's how strongly we feel about it. So we, we encourage you to watch it.
0: Thank you for joining me today on Alaska's Political Pipeline, Mike, and thank you all for listening. And as always, if you have any comments, questions, please share them with us. We do respond when people ask us about the content of our stories and the content of our podcasts.